All right, everybody, welcome back to episode 17 of the CFL podcast. We've been on hiatus for a little while. Sorry about that. Uh, the primary focus of tonight's podcast, we're going to break down the uh, the results of the draft. And we got some news to get to. Um, Chuck, Tony, how are you guys doing tonight? Outstanding. I'm, uh, I'm beyond great. As I told you, I just started PTO tonight, and uh, we spent a little bit of time elaborating on all the things I'm going to do regarding grilling and just man mm-hmm. stuff. So I'm, uh, I'm pumped. Uh, Barbecue Central tomorrow. There you Man, go. I can't wait. Yeah. Hey, quick question for you. Uh, you're on PTO. When do you go back? Uh, I go back next Thursday. So All I have right. A full week. I'm in Okay. I'm taking the kids up to Moose Lake. We're gonna fish. Uh, probably shoot off some guns. Uh, Brooks' dad actually owns about 185 acres on Moose Lake. Uh, mm-hmm. It's all privatized. So I'm looking forward to that. Cool. So, It'll be fun. Yeah, it does sound fun. Relaxing. Um, the reason I asked about when you go back is, uh, so it's next Thursday, right? Mm-hmm. You're going to be showering, getting ready for work that Thursday morning, and you're going to be like, where did all this yeah. time go? And you're going to think back to your first night of PTO, you did this podcast. It's going to feel like a year ago. You know what I mean? <laughs> so. Well, I, I hope that's accurate because uh, this is my first, so... I've had two vacations, technically speaking, in the last 12 months. Mm-hmm. One of them was a four-day uh, trip to Chicago prior to COVID uh, that was technically Harper's birthday present, quote-unquote, from Santa, where she got to go to the Field Museum, shed aquarium, mm-hmm. things of that nature, where it was real quick in and out. And then the last time that I had a vacation of this nature, I took a full week off for the tough draft, and that was it. Okay. So I'm, uh, I'm looking forward to actually having a bit of a staycation um brooks dad and i talked tonight we're gonna smoke an 18 pound brisket when i get up there on friday morning uh plan on eating that on saturday uh you know i i told you some of the the toys that i bought for like grilling accessories and i'm looking forward to it so uh god it 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 really does belie our age when the things that we get excited about as we get older are the things that we can eat the things that we can catch uh, you know, the, the yep. little things in life that had nothing to do with um, what, what might have been important when we were younger. So, um, yeah, I'm excited to just kind of check out a society for a couple of days and relax. I'm, I'm, I'm jealous. So the one news item we wanted to talk about is what happens if COVID impacts the NFL season? And just for some context, my fantasy league has a, a policy where basically if the NFL plays at least seven weeks, then they consider that a full season for fantasy and they keep our league entry fee. So um, we're, we're paying for the my fantasy league service if we hit seven weeks. And if the NFL plays less than seven weeks, then they consider it to be a partial season and our payment will be carried over to next year. So we won't have to pay um, for for this season or at least if I'm reading this right, we won't need to, but maybe they're indicating we'll have to pay part of the season, but but whatever. Um, our focus really here is on what we think we should do as a league if, if, if either of these scenarios happen. So um, one thing I think we're all in agreement on, I think this is pretty straightforward. Um, if the NFL plays seven weeks and the season ends, um, we're paying for the league fee. Uh, it seems like that would be the kind of the standard is to consider that a full season. 
And so what we're proposing is that we um, crown the champion as well as second, third, and fourth place based on all play record up to that point. That's probably the fairest thing to do. And I think we all agree that all play is this, the most accurate indicator of the strength of, of teams. And then the other part, which is not as straightforward, is what happens if we play less than seven weeks? So um, in our opinion, I think we agree we're not going to crown a champion. Was that a consensus? Is that fair to say, guys? Okay. Yeah. Um, so we all agreed on that. Um, and, and so, so far, what we're proposing, we think, is a slam dunk. I, I don't see much pushback on, on either of those. Where it's a little more dicey is, okay, if we play less than seven weeks, we're not going to crown a champion, but we need to figure out a draft order somehow. And so um, I think we generally agree that uh, the all-play record up to this point should, should factor in question is uh you know it's going to be a shorter sample size so is that really the fairest thing to do um so we can either two options we have on the table one is we simply use the all play record so worst all play gets the number one pick that'd be uh the simplest thing to do um and fair enough the longer you go um the second option which might be more fun uh, is to do a lottery. Um, but this lottery would be weighted based on the all-play record. So whoever has the worst all-play record at this point gets the most ping-pong balls. Whoever had the best all-play record would only get one ping-pong ball, let's say. Um, so it would be weighted, but it's still a drawing. So uh, might be more fair to do it that way with a small sample size, and it certainly would be fun. So please, some at least one person... Jeff Becker, close circuit to you. I think you, you're the best at doing this. Uh, just give us your opinion on which route we should go. Weighted lottery versus uh, just strictly going off all play. Just give us your opinion. Um, or if there's something else you'd like to see done instead. Um, just like to get some uh, uh, feedback from the league on this. And then next time around, we will uh, give you an official proposal that we can adopt or vote on or whatever. But uh, I'd like some, some opinions on that. And Eric, less is more. <laughs> that <laughs> is true. Chuck with the comment of the night. Can't see him <laughs> on video, but man, he just he struck from the, the balls of this podcast and nailed it. Nice job, Chuck. Good job, Chuck, indeed. Uh, we are not going to discuss trades on this episode, so... Don't worry, though. We are going to discuss all the trades that have happened since the last episode, but we're going to move that to the next episode in the interest of time. We really wanted to focus on the uh, the draft, so uh, let's get started. Uh, we're going to slice the draft up two ways here. Uh, first, we're going to go through the first round, uh, pick by pick, and analyze it. Then we are going to switch gears and go through each team's draft alphabetically. Um, and, and uh, tell you who the winners and losers uh, are, who helped themselves, who did not. So uh, let me get this kicked off here. Round one, the number one overall pick. We got the guy right here in studio. Um, the Webtoad Wonders selected Jonathan Taylor. And Chuck, um, I think it's pretty clear that there was, uh, you know, it was Taylor or CEH uh, on everyone. What a, what, a, what a jump. That dude's going to be a bust. Oh, you're doing reverse psychology on Jonathan Taylor? He doesn't listen to this. Uh, no, it it was it was always Jonathan Taylor actually, but 
un, unprompted by me a couple podcasts ago, Tony floated the C. Clyde Edward Hilaire storyline, and I just sat and listened to it. I was happy for him to create that narrative and get your head spinning a little, and I could just sit back and enjoy the time up to draft. No, yeah. uh, (laughs) It's amazing that Chuck wouldn't, he wouldn't tell me who he's taken at 1-1. It wasn't going to impact who I was taking at 1-2. I just wanted, I was taking whoever he didn't. Um, And uh, just real quick, Chuck, I thought from the beginning you were taking CEH. Um, It wasn't until about a few months ago, time's a blur right now, but it's a few months ago um, that I caught wind that you were maybe taking Jonathan Taylor, even though it wasn't told to me specifically. That's what I, I, I gleamed from it. Um, and I was, I was bummed um, because I felt that's, that's when I felt I wanted Jonathan Taylor. And then um, time went on, and uh, I flip-flopped back and forth, and then I heard different things about you. And yes, Tony talking up CEH, uh, I thought for sure the way you were talking, but you 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 got me. So I didn't know who I was getting till uh, till the draft started. So any uh, uh, any opinion on Chuck's pick there at one one, Tony? I was shocked. Uh, I will say it's the the former owner of pick one one. That's that's not the pick I would have made. Um, I understand that a lot of people are in love with uh, stats that he put up with Wisconsin. I understand that a lot of people are in love with the Colts offensive line. Um, it, that would not have been the pick for me. Uh, I, I wouldn't have taken Jonathan Taylor 1-1, and I will I will save my thoughts until 1-2 on the why rather than disparaging Jonathan Taylor because obviously the, the best thing for Chuck right now is obviously the depth and the brevity of his roster is he could take the long play on this. Like if Jonathan Taylor becomes 85% what Derrick Henry is, He's not going to be upset about that. And the good news is Chuck doesn't need him to start for him day one. But, um, again, I'll, I'll save my thoughts for the next pick. So let's, let's continue on. All right. Um, next pick was myself. Uh, I had probably the easiest pick in the draft, um, although I will say I love J.K. Dobbins, and I'll hold more opinion for that till we get to the next pick. Um, but I had to take CEH here. Um, I wouldn't have been upset if you took CEH and I got Taylor. I love both of those guys. I think they're both going to be stars. Um, so I, yeah, um, pretty pretty easy pick there. So um, Chuck, any thoughts on that? You you can rip on him. Tell us why you didn't pick him. Uh, I nothing I even want to rip on. I just yeah, it's just. He's 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 truly just not the talent of the other running backs. It's an amazing landing spot, and Andy Reid likes guys he likes, so that maybe should be enough, and no doubt he's going to have some awesome games. I just don't know that he's going to be an enduring running back. Yep, fair points, fair points. All right, Tony, now's your chance to... Uh counter what chuck just said that was so rude chuck i can't believe that just so uh chris chris gets the best pick in the draft here 100 percent hands down and three reasons 
three factoids that I throw out on a regular basis on Edwards Lair. So uh, Charlie and I, uh, who's also in this league, Charlie Walker, we play in a 32-team league together, and we had the number one overall pick two weeks ago and took Clyde Edwards Lair. And there were three facts that I couldn't get past. Number one is the draft capital. Um, we we talk about like the value of running backs, you know, what they matter in the NFL nowadays. Like running back is back, but they're replaceable. And Edward Solaire was the only running back that was taken in the first round, which means he has the all important fifth fifth year option. That's gonna make him even more valuable. Uh, number two, I can catch passes. Uh, I I don't have the numbers in front of me, but I think he caught fifty six passes. Last year, as a senior right. in the, or I'm sorry, junior in the LSU offense, so he he fits the profile of what Kansas City needs. And I had I had been really invested in Damian Williams the year prior, and I think the statement that I had said in the talk, Chuck, you can you can maybe quote me on this is the running back for Kansas City is not on the roster right now. And then Andy Reid proved it, which brings me to my number three point. Um, and probably the most important of all of them, this is the highest running back that Andy Reid has ever drafted in his career as a coach ever in the history of the NFL. Uh, the highest prior to that was pick 42, second round overall. That was LaShawn McCoy, who had quite a career <laughs> as far as I'm concerned. Um, the pro comparisons are Bryant Westbrook. Um, if Edwards Hilaire becomes 80 cents on the dollar what Westbrook was, was an absolute fantasy darling in half-point PPR leagues, which, shocker, that's what we are. Um, he's going to be amazing. You know, I, he has lesser competition, as far as I'm concerned, than Jonathan Taylor does. Marlon Mack, everybody likes to talk about how he's a two-down grinder. At South Florida, he was an outstanding pass catcher. I understand that that's not what they'd utilize him for, but if you really want to look at brass tacks, 2,000 yards rushing even over the last two years, robust 4.7 yards per carry. This is a guy that actually led the NFL in 20-plus yard rushes uh, over a three-year period. So it's really hard for me to believe that Taylor is going to usurp Marlon Mack in a shortened season due to COVID. Uh, Edward Solaire has the upper hand. I think immediate impact. Edward Solaire is going to be the guy. Uh, Jonathan Taylor may be better long-term, but overall, if, if Chris were to win a ring this year, if the season goes on, uh, it's, it's really it's really hard for me to get behind uh, Taylor over Edward Solaire. So uh, I, big, big, big props to, to Chris. You traded into a pick that you, as you stated, got to take the player that was left, quote-unquote. Uh, I, I 100 percent believe that you were going to go Dobbins uh, I obviously I tried to fish on you for uh, Justice Hill and you would not trade him to me which led me to believe that Dobbins was your pick um, but I have my reservations about that guy as well too which I'll I'll save for the Eric Slam best and we can move on all right well it's a good segue to JK Dobbins so that was Eric's pick at three and uh well, Tony, you just said that uh, I wouldn't trade you Justice Hill, so you, you thought I was interested in um, Dobbins, and that's true. Um, but it, what was more true is I was trying to trade up to 1-3 uh, 
to get Dobbins as well. I really wanted Dobbins and Taylor or Dobbins and CEH. Uh, I just, when it came down to it, when I had pick two um, and didn't get another pick, I just couldn't pass up the value that you're, I, I couldn't really justify giving up the value with Taylor or CEH to take Dobbins, even though I love Dobbins. And so that's why I, I tried to trade down from one, two as well. So I love Dobbins. Uh, I think that was a no-brainer pick at 1-3, even though there are three to four guys that consensus, you know, could fall into that pick. But in my mind, it was definitely Dobbins. Uh, I think he got a superstar after this year. So, Once upon a time, I had 1-3 in the tough league, and my pick was 100% going to be J.K. Dobbins. So I like the pick. That's it. Yep. All right, Tony. What's your uh, beef on Dobbins besides that their mascot is a uh, poisonous leaf? <laughs> well, that that's based on Ohio State, but it also kind of segues back to what I think about J.K. Dobbins, uh, trash player, trash pick. Eric completely botched this entire pick. Uh, J.K. Dobbins, prior to the ascension of Justin Fields, uh, thousand-yard rusher mediocre, middle of the pack, didn't do anything, not impressive. And then Justin Fields comes on, and because he has a dual-threat quarterback that, you know, can obviously pull guys away on a stunt in college, he rushes for 2,000 yards. And people say, oh, that's great. That's going to translate to Lamar Jackson and the pros. Well, guess what? Pro football is different than college, and quarterbacks don't get teed on quite as much the same as they do in college. Um, Lamar Jackson is still, it's, it's like the Cam Newton effect, right? Or to Eric's point, which he'll feel better about, it's the Josh Allen effect. The guy that takes the ball in the red zone and decides to run it in. J.K. Dobbins is a guy that very easily in the pros could be 1,200 yards and two touchdowns. And the yardage hog and the volume is great, and it's a fast-paced offense, but this is a guy that could conceivably never score more than five touchdowns in a year. Not to mention the fact, I understand that people don't like Mark Ingram, but he's entrenched there. He's paid. He's respected. He has low mileage. Um, th this could be a quagmire of a headache for a while. And even though I know a lot of people don't like to hear this, Gus Edwards, very, very impressive in limited bursts there, and they have found a place for him, at least for the next year. And then you've got Justice Hill, also very effective in relief. Like, I'm not fully convinced that J.K. Dobbins is going to be the guy a year from now. I understand that a lot of magazines say that, yes, he has the athleticism, the skill set. He's very fast. I understand that. He's also not good between the tackles. It's not what he does, and that's kind of what Mark Ingram brings to the table that allows Lamar Jackson to break away on naked bootlegs and out routes and so on and so forth. Um, I, I'm not totally convinced that J.K. Dobbins was the right pick here. I, I think that there was somebody better, which I'll, I'll save for later. All right, fair enough. I don't agree. Just for the record, I, I, uh, I disagree with your uh, Dobbins hate, a lot of it. Um, but um, I'll maybe save that a little bit for more for later, um, just in the interest of time. Um, next pick was the Skull Babies. They took C.D. Lamb. Uh, Value-wise, can't really argue. I mean, he's the top receiver in this class. 
uh, one of the better receiving prospects we've had in a few years. So hard to hard for me to nitpick that pick. It's not who I would have taken myself, but that's more of a team building philosophy um, rather than the value. The value is right there, so you, you can't really argue with that. Uh, Chuck, what do you think about CD Lamb there at four? Um, like you said, fantasy draft, rookie draft wise, it's a hundred percent reasonable pick. Um, I was honestly kind of shocked. Just you know, I'm not gonna go nuts like uh, our resident Chad replacement on Group Me, uh, but. But I do agree that with the lack of running backs on his roster, it kind of surprised me to go that direction. Uh, but, I mean, he's probably, he's going to be awesome. So, Yep, Tony, what do you think about that one? Love the pick. Um, I, I love the Dallas offense this year. Best offensive line in the NFL. Dak Prescott quietly the number two fantasy quarterback last year uh, behind Lamar Jackson. Um, essentially, this is going to be a really bold comparison, but CeeDee Lamb is to that team what Randy Moss was to the Vikings when we drafted him in 98. Um, he has the skill set, the upside. He could do amazing things. I mean, if you look at the three-piece set that they have of Cooper, uh, Lamb, and Gallup, you factor in Zeke Elliott as well as Prescott with that line, like, that's an offense that could legitimately put up 35 to 42 points a game. Um, I, I think he's, I think he's going to be amazing in that offense. I think a lot of people were down on the fact that he got drafted by the Cowboys, but I, I love it overall. I'm, I'm a big fan of it. Yeah. I, I have the feeling he's going to become a, a superstar and probably a, a very, very relevant uh, fantasy receiver. So next up was the cats, the top cats. Um, DeAndre Swift, um, value wise, that's makes total sense. Uh, really at this pick, you're looking at Dobbins, Lamb or Swift. Those are really the three consensus players. Um, I probably would have taken Swift instead of Lamb at the last pick, but again, that's more of a preference, uh, with team building position scarcity and all that. Um, just more of a preference. I think the biggest thing that you want to bring back to this is Swift was undeniably the number one running back in this combine class. And then obviously draft position happened. And as we know, that happens in the draft is guys hit certain, certain places and then their stock craters. Like look at, look at last year, Damian Harris was arguably the best running back in the class. And then he went to the page and his stock cratered. So, um, it, it doesn't even matter who was number two. Pre-draft results, DeAndre Swift uh, was definitely number one. And I, I think, honestly, that statement brings kind of an interesting segue to what could be the 2021 class now that we know that there's no college football. Like, what's going to happen with that draft class analysis? You know, there's, there, there's no tape. <laughs> there's nothing to go on except the year prior mm-hmm. uh, to figure out who's going to be where. So um, anyways, I'm sorry. Continue. No, no, that's those, that's good points. I don't really have much more to add. Uh, I just uh, was trying to basically state why I felt uh, Swift would have pre-draft. He would have been probably uh, number one or number two overall pick um, uh, here in our draft. Right. It's just a landing spot. It's a little, 
not the most ideal, um, at least for short-term success. Uh, anyway, I think it's a great pick here at 1-5. It is a great pick, and I'll tell you why. It's basically like he found a $10,000 savings bond that he could cash in at any moment and roll around in his underwear on his bed in a pile of cash and then go buy anything he wants. That's from his son. Literally so, the worst visual that you could give me heading into my PTO for the next hey, six at least days. That, hey, now I, I have to think about that. Well, okay. I'll help in two ways. Hey, I said underwear, right? And yeah, just but, think of him as a cat. That literally didn't help. That might have made it worse. I'm not. I'm not sure at this point. But I'm not like a cat's movie cat, like an actual cat. <laughs> oh, like, well, thank you for clarifying. Like, like, <laughs> di- like, like this Disney Saturday mo- movie. Him and his cat meowed at the same time, and they switch bodies. I I do like this pick by the Top Cats. I think. Uh, DeAndre Swift was probably the best running back pre-draft comparison. I, I don't like the landing spot. I think Matt Patricia sucks as a coach. Their offensive line is obviously questionable. I really like Stafford. I think they have a good passing game situation. I think that uh, Swift will return immediate PPR value in his rookie year. Um, overall, getting Swift at 1-5, really good value for the top guys. I really, really like that pick. Yep. All right, Chuck, you're up again here. So one six, Chuck took another running back, Cam Akers from the Rams. Uh, this I felt was uh, the right pick. Um, although uh, I thought you were probably going to take Judy here or possibly Justin Jefferson. I was a little surprised you took Akers, but not shocked. And um, you know, this is probably who I would have taken there as well. Um, in most most scenarios, but uh, tough tough call, and I suspect that uh, we're going to get a different opinion from Tony. I think you're going to say it should have been a receiver. I'm just not sure which one. I'm going to say Judy. Am I right? I not even close to be honest with you. I uh, if if we're going back to the pre-draft conversation um, when Chuck and I made the deal because this was originally my pick that I got from Lazy Boys in a trade for, I believe it was Adam Thielen. Um, Mm -hmm. Chuck and I had gone back and forth where uh, when he was going to give me Kamara and Cooper uh, on on the original deal we did, he wanted pick six, and I didn't want to give it to him. I wanted to give him pick nine. And the sticking point, I told him, as I said, I need pick six because I'm trying to rebuild my team, and I want somebody like Cam Akers in that spot. Now, this is obviously before he got drafted by the Rams, but based on pre-draft rankings, I had, you know, somebody like DeAndre Swift going number one. I had alluded that I was going to go Judy at number one overall, um, but if Cam Akers was available at number six, I couldn't say no. And then, of course, ironically, I see Akers available at, at one six after Chuck gets another running back, and I was like, oh, great. That, that's one thing that came to fruition. Um, I love him. I think that if you look at his tape and his overall skill set, it's very similar to Dalvin Cook. Uh, the thing that he has going against him, unfortunately, is the Rams offensive line total garbage. Like, nothing good about it. 
the best thing about it is Andrew Whitworth, who's like a 39-year-old left tackle. Um, they, they have some work to do, but Akers is light years ahead of Jarrell Henderson and Malcolm Brown. Chuck got a super value pick here. Like, this is a guy that had he gone one forward to the Skull Babies, nobody would have blinked. And Chuck, unfortunately, gets him at 1-6. Uh, super value pick. Really impressive. I like it a lot. Even though Judy is on the board, and obviously I'll gush about him uh, momentarily, but I, I do like the pick overall for Chuck. And Chuck, what do you think? Uh, well, truly Justin Jefferson was in consideration long. I thought long and hard on it. Um, just simply because my, a roster could afford, you know, to make a, I mean, make a fun pick and while too high, not that much too high. Um, Judy was in consideration too, just because, you know, you know, the, the hype around him. Uh, but I just decided, you know, 16-team league, uh, you know, running backs are hard to get. Um, even if I'm not necessarily going to use them, it's just, it's always an opportunity for a trade. So I just, it was just the smarter pick overall. So that's the pick I made. Right on. Um, next we had Lily take Josh, I'm sorry, Justin Jefferson, one of the guys that we uh, talked about here. Um, hard to disagree with this pick. I think a lot of people would have taken Judy. Um, consensus certainly would have had him taken Judy. Um, but you got to factor in the Minnesota tax here. And uh, hard to fault Lily for, for Jefferson there. Uh Chuck, let me go right back to you. Any other thoughts on on this? You just kind of talked about Jefferson, but uh, sure. Um, I guess more know, in the context of Lily's pick here, evaluating it. Or... I mean, I guess you know, Judy probably technically is the pick, but in the short term, I I don't know how great is the Denver destination. You know, really is going to be for him, um, and. Kind of like DeAndre Swift is a uh, savings account at the Bank of Eric. Justin Jefferson is just, for all the league except one guy, is, you know, you can charge the Vikings tax. So, I mean, I'm sure Lily will never want to get rid of him, knowing Lily. And I can't say I blame him, especially if he pops. But if you do want to make a big deal and really, you know, pump something up with a new roster. He can do that anytime he wants at Justin Jefferson. So good pick. And Mr. Tony, what are your thoughts? Uh, not a fan of the pick. Um, I understand the owner tax you're going to pay on the guy because obviously you're a Minnesota fan. Um, I'll, I'll save obviously my, my duty love for the next segue. Um, but I understand why Lily took him. I don't think it was necessary. I think Judy was a superior player. Uh, Jefferson, obviously, is an elite route runner, and he's going to come into a lot of targets with digs, but um, it's it's really hard to argue against the next pick, but I'll obviously save that momentarily. Yeah, so good segue. Uh, the very next pick was Judy. Uh, this was by Che, and value-wise, if you look at the consensus from Fantasy Pros, uh, dynasty rookie rankings 
this was one of the better values of, of the first round. Um, on average, he was going fifth um, uh, via the consensus. So I, I think value-wise, uh, this pick was pretty much uh, as close to no-brainer as you can get, um, unless you're looking at a specific position such as uh, you know running back, uh, which we'll get into here in a few few, few picks. So Chuck, uh, before we kick it back to Tony, what do you what do you think about this one? Uh, simply, yeah, great value, outstanding pick. That's it. Yep. Good job, J-Dogs. Tony? Best pick in the draft, hands down. Um, this this is a guy that pre-draft rankings um, was number one overall. This is a guy that's had comparisons in terms to route running and hands, similar to Julio Jones, who has carved out a Pretty good fantasy career, all things considered. Um, just went ninth overall. Um, his biggest knock that he has is we don't know who Drew Locke is, but if there's one thing that we found in this league regarding fantasy, receivers that have sure hands and excellent route running chops can be successful. Uh, most recent comparison would probably be A.J. Green. When he got drafted with Andy Dalton, a lot of people wrote him off and said he was going to go to fantasy purgatory. And his first pro game, to those that don't remember, one target, one catch, 45 yards for a touchdown. Um, Not saying that Jerry Judy is going to be on par with A.J. Green, but that's a pretty successful rookie comparison. So um, close circuit to Che. If you ever decide that you're interested in trading Jerry Judy, call me. I will, I will beat any offer that you have. So, uh, love the pick. Yep, definitely one of the better picks of the first round. I think I definitely agree with that. Uh, next up with the Skull Babies. Uh, second pick in the first round. So they drafted CeeDee Lamb a few picks prior. They paired him with another receiver, Henry Ruggs, from Alabama, who's at the uh, LA, um, LA. Oakland, Las Vegas Raiders. Why? Why do you got to keep moving, guys? Uh, anyways, they took rugs there. Um, I probably wouldn't have gone rugs here, even though value-wise, this is uh, this is right on. Um, I just think he's uh, going to be a boomer bust um, pick, and I maybe felt there was some safer guys, but um, heck, he, he has a super high upside. So anyway, Chuck, what do you think? I like the pick. This is probably what I would have taken here, and I like it. Solid pick. Tony. Uh, to keep it brief, uh, this this fits. Um, this is exactly where you should have gone. I think it's a smart move. Um, good pick. Moving on. Moving on is an excellent segue. <laughs> Chuck, you took Burrow. Tell us why. Uh, so, honestly, I believe this was too high for this pick. But I had a lot of picks, so I had money to play with. I, you know, the trade talk never came on too strong. And I'm confident rolling with Kyler Murray this year. So I figured rather than finding a veteran... Take another shot at a big-time quarterback. Um, 
since he, I'm going to be fine with him as my second guy and he's going to be a starter. And I was not confident he would last those three picks. So that's the long and short of it. Honestly, Chuck, kind of shocked. Uh, not mad because obviously he came off and either real uh, college football season. I, I think it's the best ever. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's obviously got value with his legs, but I really had kind of struck for the idea of Tua and just redshirt him and sit him for however long he wanted because Chuck's team is obviously built to win. And I think anybody that knows anything about college football knew that had Tua not had that immediate hip injury, he's the number one overall pick with a bullet. Like he's this year's Trevor Lawrence or Andrew Luck or Peyton Manning. So when Chuck went Burrow, I was admittedly kind of shocked. Doesn't mean I hate the pick. It was just, it was not what I was anticipating. Yeah, so so just looking at consensus, this was um, somewhat of a, a reach, and I only mean that against consensus. I'm not saying it's a bad pick. Um, you I think say it's mo- a bad pick. Well, no, you got to factor in your roster. Um, so I think for most teams that are picking 10th, this would have been a bad pick. They should have traded down, got got some value, right, if, if that's who they're going to take. Right. Um, but really, look at your roster. You have strength everywhere. Um, you have a stud quarterback, um, and you have the need for a backup quarterback, and why not go for the high upside here? Um, so Burrow makes a ton of sense high, for you. Yeah, I... I'm partial to, to Tua myself, but, um, you know, if you're going for the big play at quarterback, uh, you can't fault you for that pick. Um, I remember a while back you had mentioned uh, someone made a trade and their roster wasn't ready for that trade. I think they gave up a lot of resource, resources for a running back or something, but the rest of the team wasn't maybe as strong to, 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 mm-hmm. to succeed with that. Can, you're, you're just kind of the opposite here, where for most teams, their their team wouldn't be ready for a... Uh, quarterback but in, in your case you're just swinging for the upside the potential makes more is more important to you for the higher upside than uh, more of a sure thing so uh, the pick yeah was- and you know I really I really like Tua also but a big part of that is yes technically I could afford to sit on a guy but with you know our roster restrictions for a 16 team league I didn't want to worry about not that anyone is going to be clamoring for him, but making sure to get who is it? Fitzpatrick or no? Who's there? Um, Foles. Ryan Fitzpatrick is no. my Fitzpatrick. My, okay, Fitzpatrick. I didn't want to have to worry about getting him. Um, and you know, and then there's, I I'm certain he, pretty certain he will, but there's technically no guarantee. Uh, T two is going to get when Tua will get the chance to make an impact or, you know, because if he will right away. And I know, I just know with Burrow, I have my backup taken care of. And, you know, he has plenty of upside on his own. So, and he's kind of, you know, you know, an alternate style to what I already got, you know. So maybe he'll even, you know, develop into a, a consistent option I can choose compared to maybe Kyler Murray being a little more boom bust. Yeah, definitely. Um, next pick were the Uh They took Keyshawn Vaughn. 
Um, earlier when I was mentioning, I may have picked pick someone else. Uh, I forgot about uh, all the recent news about, about Vaughn. So I, I do still like the pick, but there's been a lot of steam lately about Ronald Jones um, maybe getting more of a shot this year. We'll see what actually happens. But uh, because of that, I think I think Vaughn went in the right spot here, arguably. Um, if I'm Clippy, I'm looking for running back. Um, so this probably is who I would have taken uh, if I were him at this pick. Uh, so I think Vaughn can turn out to be really good, especially early on in his career. Uh, well, well, he's still got Brady and that great offense around around him. So, Chuck, what do you think about this one? Uh, I think it was the right pick simply because adding a running back to his roster was the right thing. However, it's it's a pick hard to be confident in. But, I mean, it was absolutely the right pick. So that's yep. all I have. All right. Tony? I concur with Chuck's statement. Um, I, I don't love Keyshawn Bond. He was obviously kind of mediocre at Vanderbilt, but he walks into an awesome situation. Uh, quarterback upside play. Ronald Jones has been nothing spectacular um, in terms of obviously adding a running back. I think I think that he was the best available. Are there a couple of guys that I like better for upside? Absolutely, but I can't hate it on this pick. I, I think the Clips just made a, a really good play on this. Yep. All right. Next up at 112, we had Lily. They took Tua. Um, Value-wise, this, uh, this was a reach. If you just look at the consensus, uh, he would have been more around 19, so uh, high in the second round. I did mention earlier I personally preferred him over Joe Burrow from a fantasy perspective. Um, having said that, I can see why Lily made this pick here. Uh, I probably would have gone a different direction at this point, but can't really fault him for it. Chuck, what did you think about uh, Tua here to Lily? Uh, it was too high, but if he wanted a quarterback, take a quarterback. And he already had one other high pick, so, you know, no, no real harm in it, especially since there wasn't any clear-cut running back options there. You might as well. I mean, you can find wide receivers if you have to. So I'm I'm actually going to use this pick to tee off a segue that I think Chris is really going to love, and it's going to be why I hate Ryan Lewin, and I'm going mm-hmm. to and I get to his actual draft because this pick kind of marked the end of my draft because Ryan managed to take, I think it was two or three of the guys that I was targeting, and each time it was right before I picked. So um, this pick kind of set it off. So even though I want to hate on him for it, I can't. Um, to a, to him is my Andrew Luck. This is a fantastic pick. Um, he's the best quarterback in the draft if he doesn't have the emaciated hip injury. Um, if he doesn't have to start him right away, that's even better. Obviously, there's a risk-reward situation, but uh, I was listening to a podcast last week that quoted Tua as being a more mobile Drew Brees. And if that really ends up who he is, uh, this is probably the steal of the draft. So I really like the pick, all things considered. If you, and if you look what came after him, then you argue against it, in my yep. opinion. So, yep. All right, next up, Rippin and Taran at 113 took Jalen Rager from the uh, Eagles. And... 
This was one of the better picks in the first round, I feel. Um, consensus would tell you the same. Uh, you should have went around ninth pick overall, if, if you look at that. Um, I was really surprised he fell this far. Um, this is who I would have taken if I were Lily, the previous pick, uh, or maybe traded down. But again, I can't fault him for it. I'm just, I really, really like the regular pick here. So, Chuck, what did you think about this one? Obviously, value-wise, the vast majority of the rankings, it amounts to being a value pick. Or not a value pick, but, you know, a bargain. Yeah, a good price. Um, but personally, like, there was points where you could, uh, yeah, like, you could argue I should have took him at 110. But that was just never going to happen. I mean, maybe he's a different case, but... Until I see it, I'm not going to believe, I can't believe that Philly's going to, as good as Wentz has been at times, I just can't believe Philly's going to develop a new young receiver ever until I see it, because they haven't in forever. I'm going to piggyback off Chuck's statement, and I agree. I, I'm not a fan of this pick at all, um, based on what Chuck said. And Philly right now, three things specifically. Number one. That receiving core was decimated. Um, can can you name a receiving core that had more injuries than Philly did last year? I mean, this year, theoretically, getting back at full strength, you've got Alshon Jeffrey, Deshaun Jackson. Um, you get still got JJ Artega Whiteside, um, Greg Ward, who came out of nowhere. You've got Zach Ertz, who leads the team in targets. Dallas Goddard showed up and made his own progress. You've got Jalen Ragor, who's fast, but doesn't profile with strong hands, route running, does a lot of those boxes in that regard. He's smart, but he's got a lot to learn at the pro level. Um, I understand that the the rankings slot him much higher than this. Um, admittedly, I, I felt like on draft day, I saw that Mitchell had picked Chase Young, who conceivably, I'll, I'll go into that next, but I liked that pick better than Jalen Ragor, and I understand that it's all about building in this league specific skill position players, but um, I, I'm going to buck the trend here, I guess, between the two of you. I'm, I'm not a fan of this pick. All right, all good points. Um, next up, well, three in a row by Chuck here. So this one was Chase Young. Uh, let's just, in, in the interest of time, let's maybe just go through these as a group. So Chase Young, defensive end from the uh, Redskins. Uh, Michael Pittman Jr., I believe, uh, receiver for the Colts. And then T. Higgins, receiver for the Bengals. Uh, this is probably who I would have taken as well. Um, I Pre-draft, I'd pegged you taking Chase Young because you have the picks. Um, so it's not uh, as big of a risk to go after a defensive player. And he's clearly the defensive player to get this draft. Um, he actually went quite a few picks below where uh, Nick Bosa went last year, and Chase Young is equal, at least, the the prospect. Uh, Michael Pittman, I think he had, long-term is going to be the number one I don't think he's there. racist either. <laughs> good, good point. Uh, Michael Pittman, uh, I think long-term he's likely going to be the number one receiver there with the Colts. Um, going to look really, really good when Andrew Luck comes back out of retirement. Uh, in a year or two. Um, T. Higgins, another good prospect to throw a dart at. Um, I mean, I have to think that uh, 
these two receivers are likely going to stay on your your taxi squad for for much of this year. Um, that's an incredible set of receivers to have just to bank on and see what happens. So uh, kudos to you. I, I mentioned I wasn't a huge fan of, of your Burrow pick, but uh, these are, I think, all excellent, excellent picks. So uh, Tony, what do you think about Chuck's picks here? Uh, love the Chase Young pick. Obviously, he's the best he's the best IDP player in this draft, hands down. Um, he's going to be a mainstay on Chuck's roster for a long time, probably a threat for eight, eight and a half sacks to start with. Um, admittedly, going to buck the trend with you and say not a fan of um, the wide receiver pick. I think that there were other guys that I would have taken based on Chuck's uh, metaphor for his roster that would have been better, but I'll, I'll save that when I uh, get to those guys and we can move on. So rather than move on here, we are going to actually cut this episode at this point. We are going to split the draft re- draft review excuse me, into two episodes. So the next episode, we will review each team's draft overall. And I'll shoot to release that in a few days here. Give, us, uh, give a, this episode some time to stew. So as always, thanks for listening and catch you later. Bye.